from the Orange County Fire Authority. This is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone, to the May 2023 Pass Along Podcast. This is TJ McGovern, Deputy Chief of the Emergency Operations Bureau. As stated in the past, these podcasts are another great tool to get the communications out and these are in addition to the Fire Chief's monthly bulletin, the Chief's visitations, emails, and any other memos that we send out. Today, once again, I have both Assistant Chiefs of Field Operations, Shane Sherwood and Tim Perkins with me. But before I hand it off to Chief Perkins and Sherwood, I would like to talk about the recent RT-130 training that's been going on. So last week, I was able to go out to the FBI property and being able to attend in the morning session. Um, I thought it was very well organized, realistic, and a great preparation for the season uh, coming ahead of us. There was four stations set out there. One was a drafting station. Uh, the other one was an IA station. There was a type three driving station and then a mobile pumping. And like I said, I just want to give a lot of kudos to the training divisions who were out there setting this up. And like I said, they made it very, very realistic in preparation for the season we have uh, coming. So I'm hoping everyone was able to attend. And if you weren't, I'm sure there's going to be some follow-up sessions on that and make-up sessions. So um, highly recommended everyone gets out and attends those. So thank you once again to the training division. Um, now, I would kind of like to hand it off to both Assistant Chiefs uh, Field Operations. Um, first one is going to be Shane Sherwood, and uh, Chief Sherwood is going to be talking about uh, some recent collaboration we've done with Local 3631 about work downs in the firefighter paramedic rank. Chief, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, the memo that went out April 1st that made the change from being able to work 240 hours to reducing that down to 120 hours uh, straight. So that's something that uh, obviously we w we're looking out for the well-being of our all of our folks and that uh, that reduction is something that is important uh, to all of our mental well-being and making sure that everybody is you know ready to do their job and be being prepared to do their job. But one thing that came with that is the potential for uh, a firefighter paramedic work down. Uh, will not be the first thing we go to. Uh, this is an option we can go to to keep our units in service, and we would allow a engineer or a fire captain to work down into the firefighter paramedic rank in order to keep a medic engine in service. So it's it's there as a last uh, option. It is not the standard or the go-to. Uh, we want all our folks to contribute to the cause and to uh, step up and when it's their turn to work to to fill in uh, when they need to. Um, but at the same time, we want to be mindful and we want to make sure that we're limiting everybody to just that 120 hour continuous work uh, cycle. So that's, that's the, the work down piece. And again, most importantly, what to emphasize, it is not the first thing to go to. It is the last, uh, last option in order to keep a medic engine in service. Great. Thanks, Chief. And just to clarify, as a last option, that's going to be either you or Chief Perkins approving that after it goes to the duty chief. So that gets to your guys' level and then you make that uh, final determination. That is correct. All right, thanks Chief Sherwood for that. Uh, now we're gonna bring in Chief Perkins and Chief Perkins is gonna address the SA and SAR approval process. So as all of you most likely are aware that I was doing those approval processes since June of last year. And now we're gonna utilize the three assistant chiefs 
Assistant Chief of EMS Training Promotions, Assistant Chief of Field Operations North, and Assistant Chief of Field Operations South to do those approvals. And Chief Perkins will kind of outline uh, who's doing what on these and how the process goes. So with that, I'll kind of hand it over to Chief Perkins. Okay, thank you. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, hey, everyone. Um, you know, one of the reasons why we went to um, the SA and SAR between the three assistant chiefs is, um, you know, trying to balance workload up here. We noticed, um, you know, the deputy chief having all of these um, on his plate, you know, was a lot. And so um, we, you know, talked about it in one of our operations bureau meetings that, you know, the three of us can kind of divide and conquer. And um, so Shane, you know, has everything, you know, in the north with his programs with Hazmat and CICCS and FireScope. And the things that are uh, centric to him, and then uh, for me in the south, um, USAR on the FEMA side and the technical rescue truck side, uh, air operations, wildland, and then I've got the pipes and drums and the honor guard. And then uh, Capo Bianco, of course, everything training, promotions, and everything that would kind of occur training. So uh, believe it or not, you know, we get a lot of um, our firefighters and members that are putting in for SA and SAR time which is all important. The, the reason why we're continuing to prove it at our level is um, it's really prioritizing um, our workforce. Um, you know, every day we look at what the forces um, are doing in every, every rank from firefighter to battalion chief. And we're constantly evaluating uh, what that looks like. Um, and so when we have so many individuals that are going to training, they're traveling, um, a lot of our uh, USAR FEMA folks, um, you know, we've got the, uh, the dog program. We've got a lot of people doing a lot of training, and we're prioritizing when we allow them to take that time off. So let me, let me break it up in a couple of different examples. If, if we approve somebody on an AP1, they're going to be traveling uh, to training, um, and it's, and it's approved training, um, we're going to approve those, you know, 21 days or whenever we get that request in the staffing system. Um, we know we hire at 21 days, we force at 14 days, but anybody that's traveling that has approval for that, um, we're going to approve that SA and SAR time uh, as soon as that, you know, hits the system. And then we have other types of training. Um, for example, um, you know, the task force is having um, some coordinator meetings. They've got uh, section meetings that occur. Um, the air operations folks have, you know, meetings and some of those things that really aren't mandatory. We want them to go to that training. It's important. We recognize that. But we want to make sure that we, we hire at 21 days first. We force at the 14 day. And then at 13 days or less are when those SA or SAR um, approvals uh, take place. Again, trying to prioritize um, that we staff our fire engines, our fire trucks, our medic squads, et cetera, um, at, you know, as a, as a first um, staffing, you know, priority for us. And then we have, you know, a few other elements, um, you know, recently for the, for the USAR folks, um, the technical rescue trucks, they were doing uh, swim tests in Irvine. And so while that was needed, they needed to go through it, um, you know, be able to perform that, um, the swimming function, you know, those SA and SAR 
and it's actually SA time, was an after the fact, you know, go to the training, go to the event, and then put your time afterwards. Because as soon as we approve the SA time, even if it's for an hour, it takes that individual off of the staffing availability for that particular day. Um, so we're sensitive to all that. We're, we're providing some lanes and some ground rules for the program managers. Um, and then there's some routine, possibly some routine uh, training that might happen in the division and the division chiefs uh, would, um, would approve their training. But at the end of the day, the final approval on that pull down uh, and staffing is either going to be Shane Sherwood, myself, or Rob Capobianco. So that's really the intent is to continue to try to provide a workforce. We're sensitive to the forcing. Um, we're making a lot of progress on um, our day-to-day -day staffing, um, but that is why uh, we're continuing to do the SA, SAR approval, and that's that's what it looks like. I think I think just one thing to add there, Tim, that um, for upstaffing of strike teams or for overhead that's going out of county, that's going to be actually a duty chief approval. So. Uh, that is one exception uh, to the rule, but uh, the duty chief is an option for the out-of-county folks, uh, whether it be overhead or whether it be strike team configuration. Yes, good point. So if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, address the operational readiness review that we'll be discussing with the division chiefs at the end of this month that we expect to uh, roll out in June. Um, with that, if, 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 if you've been uh, part of the OCFA over the last you know 20 years, the Operational ready uh, review was something that happened prior to uh, the the fire season kicking off, and that was an opportunity to make sure that PPE was uh, was ready, any issues were addressed, and that when our uh, when the season you know turned on here in Orange County, or we were in need of response, uh, all of our folks were prepared to respond uh, with their personal protective equipment. In addition to that, it was also an opportunity to. Uh, inspect the stations and make sure that everything at the station was operating appropriately. Things were getting addressed through the property management uh, chain. Um, and and I remember being a, a young firefighter that when those uh, readiness reviews took place, that it was a big deal because the division chief was coming down. Um, so there was a lot of pride that went into cleaning the station, a lot of pride getting into making sure all of our gear was prepared and that we uh, didn't pull something out of a bag that we would uh, be ashamed to uh, let our division chief uh, uh, see. So it was an opportunity just to uh, kind of house clean and, and make sure that the stations were ready to go. Our own personal protective equipment was ready to go. And so so that's coming. That'll be happening here uh, hopefully throughout the month of June. But we'll be discussing that with the division chiefs at the end, the end of the month here. And uh, that is to come. So uh, look forward to that, and uh, if you want, you can start prepping for that and getting ready for those uh, those readiness reviews. All right, Chief Sherwood, that was a great uh, overview of the upcoming operation review, so we pr uh, appreciate that. Uh, Chief Perkins, I know you have a couple things to speak about. Uh, just one last thing, uh, the uh, Wildland Refresher training that's going on. Um, I know we've done two of the sessions. Uh, we've got one more coming up here in the next the next week. And so a lot of our folks are attending, you know, we make it mandatory somewhat for our strike team leaders, our folks that are going out on overhead. And it, uh, just like the operational readiness review, this is uh, kind of an opportunity to share some lessons learned going out of County and kind of being prepared for the season on just some of those expectations uh, for that. So I was able to attend, you know, one of them, uh, the first one that kind of kicked off and um, what I, 
Shane and I kind of told the group is, um, you know, as a wildland firefighting agency, a lot of our experience uh, needs to happen outside of just what we get here in Orange County. And the experience uh, for our divisions, our branches, um, our folks that spend uh, time on incident management team, regardless if they're in the plan section or the log section or the ops section, a lot of that experience happens outside of Orange County so that when we do get our Silverado fire, um, our coastal fire, our bonfires, et cetera, uh, we've got real experience, uh, people uh, on the ground making good tactical decisions. We've got chief officers that are making good um, operational you know, decisions. And so um, the wildland refresher class over the years has kind of morphed, but it is, uh, again, a good opportunity um, to review a lot of lessons learned and um, you know, share some, some examples that, um, others have had, you know, outside this County. So a lot of good conversation. Um, you know, though we were making it, um, you know, somewhat mandatory for everybody to attend, we did film it knowing that not everybody was going to get an opportunity to attend one of the three sessions. Uh, so the folks from multimedia, uh, really stepped up and, uh, was able to videotape, uh, those sessions so that uh, for those that, you know, couldn't attend uh, still can um, listen in and kind of get some of that updated training. So, uh, so I appreciate that. And Chief McGovern, that's all I have. All right. Thank you for that. You know, I want to talk about one more thing. So at the end of April, we had the best and bravest come back and we did that uh, at the Marriott Irvine, brought that back to that venue. It was very well attended. I think we were right under 500 people. So it was a great event that evening. Um, everyone had a good time. A lot of awards were given out, but there's really one award that I want to talk about. And this one award, a Medal of Valor Award, has only been given out eight times in the history of OCFA. And that evening, the ninth Medal of Valor was given out. And I just want to let everyone know and congratulate newly promoted fire captain Jason Ralston to be the recipient of the ninth Medal of Valor in OCFA history. So well done, Captain Ralston. Very appreciative of your work and congratulations on that. So before I conclude this Pass Along podcast, I want to give it back to Chief Perkins so he can discuss what's coming up next month on our Pass Along podcast. Chief Perkins. Okay, next month, um, really want to talk about our hand crew program and our dozer program. And so um, we'll hear from Chief Ariano, our new superintendents, uh, Scott Gorman, Brandon Davis, uh, can give us an update on um, the progress and what's going on with the Santiago crew, the El Toro crew, and then, uh, again, our dozer program and our apprentice uh, program. So uh, stay tuned for those guys uh, to come in and kind of give you a, uh, um, a look into our wildland operations section. I want to thank the two of you for participating today, and I want to thank the organization for listening. Before we go, I'm going to leave you with the audio from the best and the bravest recognizing Captain Jason Ralston for receiving the Medal of Valor. The criteria for the medal is as follows. An act of valor performed by an OCFA firefighter which places them at extreme personal risk under adverse conditions while attempting to save the life of another on or off duty at an emergency incident. 
On Saturday, June 4th, 2022, at around 10 p.m., the crew from Truck 75 in Santa Ana were dispatched to an unknown-type medical aid, where neighbors described a man asleep in his idling car for an extended period. When the crew got on scene, they went to work. Firefighter paramedic Sean Stacy was the radio medic, documenting everything about the patient. Firefighter captain paramedic Rob Richardson was the patient medic, taking vitals, asking questions, and working with firefighter Trevor Lima, who was studying to be a paramedic. The job of fire apparatus engineer Jason Ralston is scene safety, which includes parking the truck safely, lighting the scene, and overall situational awareness. Little did engineer Ralston know how important his job would be on what started out as a routine medical aid call. Here's their story. We started noticing the patient or subject um, fiddling with his pockets, kind of just taking a while playing with something in his pockets. It was kind of simultaneously me uh, and the other three guys at the same time kind of said that, hey, like, what's in, what's in your pockets? What, what are you struggling to do? Oh, it's my, he responded with, it's my cell phone. Um, at that time, I said, well, why don't, you, why don't you empty your pockets? That's when the patient stood up and slowly started to walk backwards. Um, so that kind of, um, heightened my awareness that this person might be getting violent. He started to gain distance on us too. That was something that kind of, I made the hair on the back of my neck kind of perk up too, is he kept trying to back away from us and gain distance. Um, all the kind of the signs you, you're taught to watch out for. And he was wearing like kind of loose gym shorts and he put his hands in his pockets and as he started to pull out uh, his right hand, he went to pull it out. All of a sudden, I saw Engineer Ralston lunge at him, grab one arm, his, uh, use his one arm to grab his arm, and the other arm to grab something out of his hand and throw it on the ground. Uh, that something was a gun. It was a, a loaded handgun. So quick, one swift movement. I don't know if he realized that the guy was, he was high. He's not a dependable patient, subject. Um, who knows if he was going to be like, oh, I have an, a weapon. Who's to say he wasn't going to pull it out and hold it at us and then try and run away? Or who's to say that he was not about to pull it out and unload the clip on four firefighters? We'll never know because Jason's swift action to go right to the problem and not run away and escalate it more. Um, I can't say enough. Uh, I think Jason saved three firefighters' lives for sure that night. It is with a great honor that I invite up to our stage newly promoted Fire Captain Jason Ralston to accept the Medal of Valor Award.